So it says in Jeremiah 32:27, he says, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. He makes a statement. And then he asks a question. He says, is there anything too difficult for me? In other words, he's setting himself up. He's saying, let me remind you who I am. I am the Lord. I am the God of all flesh, of every being, of everything. I made everything. I created everything with my mouth. I'm holding everything together with my, the integrity of my word. Is there anything too hard for me? And see, the second part wasn't a statement. The second part was a question. And how you answer that question is, is very, very important to your future. It's very, very important to your now. See, most Christians, if I ask you right now, well, well, is there anything too hard for God? They say, oh, no, God can do anything. Nothing's impossible for God. He can do anything. But yet, if I went back over the last 48 hours and we looked at what you thought about the most, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If we looked at the thoughts that you had and we looked at how whether you're worrying about tomorrow or concerned about tomorrow, he says, don't be anxious for nothing but everything with prayer and supplication. Let your request be made unto God, and the peace of surprise will understand will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. If we went and looked back, your thoughts would tell a different story. Your thoughts would say, you don't really believe that. But that's who God is. There's nothing too difficult for him. He asked the question. He said, I lay before you, Jesus, I lay before you two choices, life and blessings, death and cursings. And then he goes, man, choose life and blessings. It's better. Just in case, just in case we're a little bit dense, just to make sure we don't pick death and, bless, death and cursings, he tells us which one to answer. But I, I'm here today to tell you that if I asked you, hey, what did you pick? Did you pick, have, when, have you picked life and blessing or death and cursing? And you say, oh, I've picked life and blessing. And I would say, well, how did, how did you pick that? Oh, well, I accepted Jesus as my Savior. That's not the question. You might have picked life and blessings that day, but the way you choose life and blessings or death and cursings, you choose it every day. You choose it every hour. You choose it every minute. You choose it every second based on where you allow yourself to go, where you allow your mind to go, what you allow yourself to be focused on. As a man thinks in his heart, that's who he really is. So you choose life and blessings or death and cursings every day. You choose the kingdom of God to operate in your life and to be least released in your life or you stop the kingdom of God from being released in your life based on what you choose to think about, based on whether you choose to live in the past, in the good old days, or live in the past in regret, or live in the future of, oh, when, when this happens, it'll be better, or live in the future of when this, is, when this hard time is over. See, when you worry about tomorrow, God can't worry about your tomorrow. He's only legally allowed to worry about your tomorrow and to take care of your tomorrow when you worry about when you only take care of your today. Matthew says, think, don't even think about thinking about tomorrow. It's a double negative. Don't even think about thinking about tomorrow. Why? Because when you do that, you stop the kingdom of God from being released in your life. The way you release the kingdom of God in your life is through rest. It's through trust. 
Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of the things hoped for is the evidence of things not seen. So when you're walking in faith and you can't see what you're that's proof that you already have it. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The evidence of the things that you were hoping for, the evidence that you already have them is the fact that you can't see them. That's what faith is. See, faith doesn't make any sense. The kingdom of heaven doesn't make any sense. He says the kingdom of heaven is on the inside of you. They said, God, Jesus, when are you going to set up your kingdom? He said, oh, no, the kingdom is not here or there. It's not where you can see it or touch it. It's not, oh, it's over there, oh, it's over here. But it's on the inside of you. But how do we release the kingdom of God on the inside of us so that we can receive all everything God's done for us? It says that through Christ, he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. But how do we release that? How do we release that? Well, the kingdom of God is on the inside of us, and that's where everything, everything we need is, on the in, is, on, is in the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is on the inside of us. So the only way to release it from the inside of us is by being transformed by the renewing of our mind. You must be in the Word. You must, you must watch what you say. You must watch what you think about, which in turn is going to help you keep your word straight. Because You see, whatever you think about most is going to produce a belief system. Your belief system is going to produce your words because out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. And then your words are going to produce your choices, and your choices are going to produce your destiny. They're going to produce the direction that your life's going in. So you've got to guard what you think about. See, you can't afford, I can't afford to think about anything, to think anything about myself that God doesn't think about me. I can't afford to think anything about my future or to meditate on anything about my future that God doesn't think about my future. God says my future is amazing. God says my future is unbelievable. God says my future is brighter than I could ever believe it was going to be. See, it says all things are possible to him that believes. That's true. All things are possible to him that believes. In Ephesians 4, it says, God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. The NIV version says God's able to do exceedingly immeasurably. Look at that word immeasurably. It means God's able to do immeasurably, which is impossible to measure. That, that means God's able to do in your life the very thing that is impossible to actually measure. It's not possible. So when you think you're believing God for something big, I got news for you, you're not. Because what God is able to do in your life is impossible to measure. See, I was having a conversation with God, and I said, God, you said all things are possible if I believe. But Ephesians says all things are possible. But Ephesians says that, God, you're able to do that which is impossible to measure in my life. You're able to do it immeasurably above what I can ask for think. I said, which one is it? You know, I thought I painted God into a corner. You ever feel that way sometimes? You're like, oh, I just got him. I just got him. No. God spoke to me. He said, no, Tim, there's only one thing that's impossible for believers, for children of mine. And that is all things are possible to him that believes except for the ability to measure what's possible when you believe. See, when you're believing, when you're in faith, there is nothing impossible for you except the ability to measure what's possible when you are in faith. Because no matter what you're believing for, God's able to do bigger than that. I was, I was believing God recently. I was talking to God, and he told me, why do you keep dumbing your dreams down to make everybody around you feel comfortable? And I said, what do you mean? He said, you keep limiting your dreams, the things I've put in your heart, the ridiculous things that I've put in your heart, 
because God says that he's, it says that Jesus came to give us a life more abundantly. That actually means God, Jesus came to give us a life that's, that's ridiculously more blessed than anyone else. So he's like, I've given you ridiculous dreams that you could never, that could never happen except if you're believing and I make them come to pass. But you keep making them smaller. You keep limiting me, just like the children of Israel limited me, the Holy One of Israel. And I said, well, how am I doing that? He said, because you tell people, I, I told you to believe me for a plane so you don't have to fly, uh, so you don't have to fly commercials. You can fly private. You have no way of making that happen. You have no way of making enough money to where you can fly private, do you? I was like, no. He said, then why, then why do you not tell people that anymore? Because what happened is I would tell people, I'm believing God for a plan. They'd be like, oh, you don't really need that, brother. I mean, that's just not good. That's not being a good steward and, and, and this and that. So what they're basically saying, they're saying the God that they serve is only big enough to feed, to feed all the hungry and to help everybody know Christ and, and, and to get his name known, but he can't do those two things and supply me with a plane because, you know, he's limited. But my Bible says that God has no limits except for the limits that I place on him by my unbelief. So I said, God, you're right. I believe that by the time I'm 55, it was five years, I believe by the time I'm 55, I'm going to be flying private from now on. And I've been saying that, and I've been telling everybody, I, I know everywhere I go I've been telling that because I like risking reputation because it's really not risking my reputation because I have no way of making that happen. God doesn't do it. I have no way of making it happen. So what next? Well, about a month ago, two or three weeks ago, I was talking to somebody about that, and afterwards God said, now, Tim, why five years? Why, why does it have to be five years? Why are you saying in five years you're going to be flying private? And I was like, I I don't know. He said, well, I can tell you why, because you think five years is possibly manageable that some way, somehow, in your ability, you might be able to start a business or do something that's going to project them, that's going to produce enough money to where you can have a plane. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. He's like, but that's not even possible. That's not true. See, I told you to believe me for it. I didn't ask you to pay for it. I asked you to believe me for it. I did not tell you to pay for it. Did I ever tell you, believe me, to be able to supply the money to you for you to be able to buy a plane? I said, no. He said, I asked you to believe me for it, just to stand in faith. I said, you're right. He said, so why do you put a five-year time limit on it? I said, I, I guess I, you're right. I think I, I, I think that just makes me feel safer. He said, why not three years? You can't do it in five years anymore, and you can do it in three years. It's all by faith, right? I was like, yeah, that's true. I said, okay, in three years, I'm going to be flying private, no longer flying commercial. And he said, why three years? See, God will set you up. You start letting him stretch you, he'll set you up. I was like, well, you just told me how about three years. I did say that, God said. He said, but why three years? Is it three years because it's going to take me that long? It's going to take that long in, in faith to produce it? I mean, and I was like, no. He said, what about a year? Why not a year? Why not be flying private in a year? I was like, well, God, I, I mean, really, there's no way for it to happen in five years, much less one year. So it all costs the same. It's called faith. So he's like, well, why not one year? I said, okay, God, I, I'm believing one year, within one year. By the time I'm 51 years old, one year, I'll be flying private some way, somehow. See, some way, somehow means I don't have to know how it's going to happen. But I ask you, where are you putting limits on God? What are you putting how are you putting limits on God? How are, you, how are you actually limiting the mighty one of Israel? 
We all are. In some way, we are, we're limiting God. Some way, we're limiting God. Some way, we're limiting what he wants to do in our life. He wants to do ridiculous blessings in our life, and we're limiting him somehow. All of us are. So how are you limiting God today? How are you dumbing down your dreams to make your friends and people around you feel more comfortable about their dreams? Because, see, people with big dreams make people with little dreams feel uncomfortable. People with impossible dreams make people with doable dreams feel very uncomfortable. And so what they do is they say, well, you can't ever do that. How are you going to ever do that? I mean, come on. Let's be realistic. You've got to be realistic. There's nowhere in my Bible that it says we have to be realistic. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. This world is not our home. It says we're not citizens of this earth. Our citizenship is in heaven. So everything that we possess in this land is supposed to be produced from where we're from, which is from heaven, the kingdom of heaven, which, again, is on the inside of us. Whoops. So how are you limiting God today? I'm driving down the road, so you heard me say oops because I almost turned into traffic. (laughs) But how are you limiting God? We're all doing it. How are you doing it? You know, is it is it by believing too small? Is it by speaking what you don't want to see? Because there's life and death in the power of the tongue. You meditate on the wrong things. I promise you, the wrong stuff's going to come out. The wrong stuff's going to come out. You cannot take a steak and marinate it in salt water, and when you eat it, it not tastes like salt. It's not possible. It's the same thing. You cannot marinate your thoughts in negativity unbelief, worry, strife, not enough, all the bad thoughts of what could happen if, not, if God doesn't come through. You cannot marinate your thoughts on those things and not produce the very thing that you're thinking on. See, when you take a picture with a camera, if you take a picture with a camera, nobody would ever take a picture with a camera of a sunset. And then when they develop the film, be angry and want their money back because it's not a picture of a snow scene. Because we know in the flesh that if we take a picture with our camera and we take a picture of a sunset, we know that it's going to be a picture of a sunset. When you develop it, that's what it's going to be. But for some reason in the spirit, in our, in our thought life, in, our, in our, our world that we live in, for some reason we think that we can – let pictures of unbelief and not enough and, and all the bad things that come to mind, we think that we can let those thoughts in our mind, which is just like a camera, let our film meditate on that. And then when we get ready to develop it, we think that for some reason that when everything's developed, it's going to be different than what we've been, met, what we've been thinking on. The picture is going to be different. It's not. The picture on the inside is always going to produce the picture on the outside that you can actually see. And by the way, in, in this life that we live in as Christians, if you say, well, I'll believe that when I see it, well, you'll never see it because in a Christian life, in a faith-filled life, you'll believe that. I'll, I'll see that when I believe it. It's the opposite. Well, I'll see that when I believe it. Because, see, you receive it when you believe it, not when you see it. You receive it when you believe it, not when you see it. That's what faith is. So I challenge you, believe for the impossible. Don't dumb your dreams down for other people. Don't, don't limit God in your life by, by 
trying to live in the future when you've got no business living in the future, and then you tie God's hands and he can't, he can't take care of your future because you're too busy trying to take care of it. And it was never your job to take care of your future in the first place. He said his burden is easy and his load is light. Cast all your cares on me and I'll care for you. So it's not being irresponsible by not caring about tomorrow, by not worrying. See, we've, we've got this... We got this belief system that's in the church. It's coming to the church that we think that by not worrying about tomorrow, we're being we're not being uh, responsible, and that's that's not true. You're being very responsible by not worrying about tomorrow. You take care of what you can take care of today, and you let God worry about tomorrow. I'm not saying it's easy. That's why He says you have to labor to enter His rest. It's laborious to enter His rest because most of us would rather just try to do it on our own. But that's not how you access everything in the kingdom of God that's laying on the inside of us. So I believe when we get to heaven, that's one of the reasons why God's got to wipe our tears away, is we're going to see everything that we had in Christ, and we're going to be like, oh my gosh, that was all mine. And I didn't tap into it because I spent so much time meditating and thinking on the wrong things. See, it says you will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It says, think on these things, and it lists them in Philippians. It says, guard your heart, guard what you think about above everything, above your own eyesight, for out of what you think about flows the issues, boundaries, and limitations of life. We actually create our own boundaries in our own life. We create our own limitations in our own life based on what we choose to think about. What are you choosing to allow in your mind today? What are you choosing to allow your thoughts to go to? You need to guard your thoughts. If you own a billboard company... And, and, and you're a Christian, and somebody wanted to advertise drugs on it or something that you don't believe in, you would not let them rent that billboard. So what do you, let, what do you allow to rent space in your mind? Who do you allow to rent space in your mind? See, God can do nothing without men's cooperation, and Satan can do nothing without our cooperation. So whoever we agree with wins. If we agree with what God says in his word, he wins. If we agree with what all the negative things say, what Satan's trying to put in our head, then he wins. Man, I challenge you. Guard your thoughts. Don't dumb your dreams down. Dream bigger. Dream bigger. Because no matter how big it is, it's not big enough. If your dream's big enough for you, then you're not big enough for your dream. I challenge you to dream bigger and don't dumb your dreams down. Guard your thoughts. Do not let any thought that God doesn't think about you and your future do not think on anything that has anything to do opposite of what God's thinking about you. I pray this blesses you. You have a wonderful day. <laughs> Dream big, people. Dream big. And let's watch God do amazing things in our life. Love all of you. God bless.